I know this, there hadn't been a stage this year that's been too big for our players, and we don't expect that stage to be too big on Monday. Always College Football with Greg McElroy is presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Welcome in, and today's Tuesday. Yesterday was basically a holiday of sorts for college football, as was Saturday, as was, gosh, how many other days in the last week or so. I love bowl season, but we officially have put it to bed. We're going to take some time, give out at some point, not today, probably not tomorrow, but maybe at some point next week, we'll give out some bowl superlatives so that we can get into some of the games and some of the best performances. Because I could make a pretty strong argument that LSU's performance today was as good as I've seen by pretty much anyone in the bowl season. All right. Okay. Oregon State as well. All right. So there's a few that we could probably give out, but we're going to resist the urge right now because we have a very special guest today. Sonny Dykes, the head coach of the TCU Horn Frogs, will join the show. We look forward to having him. He's been on the show before. He's back again. He was able to carve out some time for us the week leading up to the national championship. We are so grateful to him for that. It's probably because of my Texas roots. That's what I'm assuming, I suppose. But either way, we're going to talk to Coach Dykes. We're going to break down some of the biggest bowl games from Monday afternoon, including the Rose Bowl. What a dominant performance from Penn State. We'll get into it a little bit, but without much further ado, it's now time for Let's Talk About It, presented by AT&T 5G. We're here with the national championship-bound head coach of the TCU Horn Frogs, Sonny Dykes. Coach, congratulations. That was one of the most exhilarating games I think I've ever watched, and I can't even imagine what it was like for you. What was that experience like on the sideline? Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, it really was. It was a crazy ball game, a lot of momentum shifts. Um, a lot of big plays. You know, the third quarter was wild. It just seems like uh, both teams were were making a lot of big plays, a lot of great uh, individual efforts, while at the same time a lot of critical mistakes. So it was a it was a big quarter. The big thing we had to do was just somehow survive it, not lose our confidence. And our, our coaches and players really did a great job of of getting settled in and um, and kind of getting back into a groove. We played a lot better defense. You know, after that last drive there in the third quarter, and and you know those our, our defense was able to win the game for us down the stretch. It was really amazing, coach. It felt like as soon as you guys threw haymakers come out of the gate, right? There's obviously right, but they bounced back and they somehow found a way at halftime and made a couple tweaks. And then the third quarter, it's like they had a couple answers, and it's like, uh oh, you know, things are starting to go and lean, and the momentum starting to get away from us a little bit. And then, boom, you guys responded every time they hit, you counterpunched, and I, I think that says a ton about the guys in your locker room. So, what do you attribute that to? You know, Greg, I agree with you. I think that that was the key for us was to when we felt like that we were starting to kind of come off the rails a little bit. Our guys, you know, got settled in. We, you know, we made some adjustments defensively. The players went out there and executed them. And the big thing was just emotionally just trying to get settled down, uh, not get too high, not get too low. Our guys have done that all year. And really, I think all those close games that we played this year in the Big 12 really kind of paid off for us. You know, we had a bunch yeah. of comeback wins and Sometimes where our back was against the wall and our players were accustomed to playing that way. And, and we weren't uh, overwhelmed uh, by the emotion. It wasn't too big of a moment for, for them. And we just settled in and, and got back to doing our job and doing it the way we're supposed to. And uh, the guys really responded. 
Uh, and obviously, I mean, the, the adversity was kind of all over the place, frankly. I mean, you lose Kendrick Miller early in the ball game, and he goes down to that weird, odd injury, and he's limping off and it looked like his right leg or whatever it might have been. Mario Mercado steps up, no problem whatsoever. He goes for what was a ridiculous 150 against one of the best rush defenses in America. So if you could just... I guess help me understand, you know, how he was able to fill that insane void. And then if you could give us an update on where Kendry is at this moment. Yeah, that's been, uh, that's been our, our team all year, really. I mean, really going back to Chandler Morris winning the starting job back in fall right. camp and, and Max taking Chandler's place in the third quarter of the Colorado game and, and just taking it and running with it. Um, you know, we felt like coming into the year, we had two really good quarterbacks. We feel like We've got three or four really good running backs. They all complement each other. They're all very good players. Kendra, obviously, is a special running back. But Amari is, is a heck of a player, too. And, and he came into the game. He's fresh. He's a little bit different running style than Kendra. Kendra is a little bit more patient, where uh, Amari's a little bit more of a slasher and hits the hole a little bit more downhill. And, and they, like I said, they complement each other well. So, you know, we did what exactly what he's supposed to do. He... You know, came in, stepped up. That's what that's what our mentality has been all year, just next man up. Uh, it happened several times on Saturday. We had a couple of DBs that got a little bit banged up. Another guy stepped in and, and filled a void for us. And that's what ha great teams have to do. You know, you can't, can't win 13 regular season games or uh, 13 games, rather, without some guys, you know, stepping up and making plays for you. And um, it was incredible the way it happened down the stretch. You know, everybody seemed to make a big play. You know, D. Winters played just outstanding – uh, def defensively for us and made a ton of big plays, a lot of you know, interception for a touchdown, a lot of uh, tackles in the backfield. Just different guys kept stepping up when we needed them to and making plays. And we talk about it all the time. It goes back to our training and those guys just, uh, you know, believing in themselves, believing in each other, believing in the scheme and doing things right when it when it gets tough. And uh, that certainly uh, paid off for us Saturday night. All right. It most definitely did. And and I know, Kendry, I know you're trying to get him back as close to 100%. Are you just kind of taking it day to day at this moment? Yeah, we're just trying to make sure we get a good evaluation on him. He was a little bit sore coming home. Um, I think he felt a little better today. So we'll we'll get a feel for where he is tomorrow and then see how the week progresses. Hopefully he'll be available on Monday. But if not, you know, we're confident we have some guys that can step up and, and carry the load for us. Well, fingers crossed. I know he means a lot to your team, and uh, I know it'd be an amazing opportunity for him to be able to compete in the national championship. Let's fast forward now. I've, enough looking back. We've had 24 hours. I feel like we should move on. Uh, what do you think? Uh, uh, did you have a chance at any point to treat it a little bit? Not, I don't want to call it like March Madness because it's obviously very different, but oftentimes March Madness, you prepare for like four teams when you show up at your respective March Madness site, did you have a chance to peek at Ohio State and Georgia in your bowl preparation? Just so if you got to this point, you'd have a little bit of a head start. You know, not really. I think the the thing that we we're fortunate we've got a couple of extra days. You know, normally you've got six days to prepare for a team. Uh, we've got a little bit longer than that, just the way the schedule falls. Um, so you know, we we spent most of yesterday tweaking our issues that we had. You know. Our guys played really hard in that game, but we made a bunch of critical mistakes and some things that right. we can correct. And so, you know, we want to go back and pay attention to those things and make sure we, we take those opportunities to coach and improve in those areas we need to. But then it was on to, to Georgia. And so, you know, we, we've got about a, an extra day uh, worth of preparation than we normally do. So I think that, you know, we'll, we'll have a good game plan, hopefully by tonight, 
uh, have a rough game plan, and then we can really get it cleaned up tomorrow before we start getting after it on uh, on Wednesday. Are the are the players? Because I remember leading up in the last days before a national championship, you were able to just kind of knock it off on Saturday. Obviously, a little bit of rust, perhaps, but uh, almost chomping at the bit. Like, couldn't get enough tape in the last few days to the point in which it probably became a little too redundant. Obviously, different era, but how would you say the players have prepared mentally for what's upcoming a week from Monday? Yeah, Greg, that's a good question. Um, you know, when you have a month to get ready for a team like we did, you have to be careful. You, you've got to, right. you can't get your game plan in too soon. If it does, it gets stale. The guys um, get tired of doing the same thing over and over and over again. So we felt like we had to really manage leading up to the Michigan game the right way. Um, mm-hmm. We think we did. You know, I think our guys were fresh mentally. They were fresh physically. We really worked hard to ensure that. We're going to kind of take the same approach as we go into this week as well. Um, you know, told them not to come around much today, just to get away. You know, we've been on the road for a week. Um, we had a bunch of players here early this morning watching film, even though we told them not to. Um, so we were okay <laughs> right. with that. Um, but you know, we've got plenty of time to kind of to kind of get them prepared and start getting them going. I know they're excited. They got a great mentality. They know how good Georgia is. But again, we got a lot of confidence in our team and our players, and these guys believe in each other. And you know, and we're we're excited about it and looking forward to the opportunity. You, you, you are fiery without question. Uh, there's no doubt. And, and there were moments, obviously, I saw you get after an official or two. I mean, it's a par for the course, I might add. Yeah. But in a game of that magnitude, do you feel as though you need to control your emotions maybe a little differently than you would in the regular season, just knowing how easily the guys might react both positively or negatively to your own antics, I suppose, on the sideline? Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. That's the... That's the one thing we felt like coming in to TCU that, that we all, uh, that the program needed really was just kind of an emotional stability with the players. Uh, mm-hmm. We just felt like that um, they were going to play better if they were relaxed and they felt good about, uh, about you know, how they were being coached and, and all those type of things. And so it's been good. The players have really responded well. Uh, we try to stay as even killed as we possibly can. And again, that all begins with me. Uh, begins the way that I interact with our players on a day-to-day basis. Uh, the same thing with our coaching staff. I think that's important for us to, you know, just to have that in our program. Look, we have very, very high expectations for our players. We have a very, very high level of accountability uh, for everybody in our program. But at the same time, you know, those conversations take place in private. That They're very uh, uh, to the point, very relaxed. We can speak uh, we can speak directly with each other. The players have an open door policy to come in and, and talk to me anytime they want to. And so really our program is just about mutual respect and doing things that way and, and taking that approach. And our players enjoy that. They've responded to that. Um, and it's really how I believe in coaching. And so it, it starts with me and how that whole thing uh, trickles down to the players and everything else is really what makes the culture of our program. And we believe that's why we're winning is because of our culture. Obviously, we've got a lot of really, really good football players. We've got, a, got a lot of guys that play hard, uh, that are unselfish, really care about each other. But we have a great culture. We have a culture yeah. of, of inclusivity, and we want guys to be themselves. Um, and, you know, it's mutual respect, as I said earlier. And so you do have to kind of make sure that you keep your emotions in check, you know, and I think that's going to be important for us, to, 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 for our players to see that from all of our coaches, not only me, but all of our staff. And it's easy to do when you have the kind of confidence that we do in our players. I mean, look, I believe in those guys. And 
Yeah. I believe in them in big moments and in big situations. I know they're going to do the right thing. I know they're going to respond the right way. And, and again, that confidence allows everybody to be calm. When you look at, uh, I've found it comical, the, the, you know, the casuals that don't really consume college football the way we consume it. We live it every day. And I don't maybe live it as much as you do, but it's, it's my life. It's, it's what I love to do. And it's what I'm interested in. And I, I've constantly seen a lot of people sit referring to TCU as, oh, it's like David versus Goliath. It's like, have you watched college football for 15 years? Because last I checked, TCU has been a perennially great program the, for as long as I can remember. And every player that's on this roster has only seen TCU win for the most part, with the exception of a year or two last handful. So uh, I guess when people say and perceive your program as if you're just taking on these giants, you know, what's your reaction as a guy from the state of Texas? Yeah, I mean, look, that's what attracted me to TCU was just the success this program has had in the past. You know, obviously, Coach Patterson did a tremendous job here for a very long time, uh, put TCU on the map. You know, they have a bunch of big wins. You, you could go back. You know, they've got a Rose Bowl win, I believe it was 10, 11 years ago. Um, you know, they've been in big games before. They've played in the Fiesta Bowl. They've won it. Uh, they've played, um, you know, in a bunch of big football games in, in the past and and have won those against really good competition. And so, as you said, I think I think people are so brand-driven uh, when it comes to college football. It just seems like the big brands, uh, you know, get most of the attention. And the casual college football fans don't really know about teams like TCU or maybe, you know, the run that Boise State had not that long ago as well. And, you know, they pay attention to some of the brands that haven't been maybe as strong in the last 15, 20 years. Um, you know, our team is, is different. We've got – We've only got four players that have played in a bowl game prior to this year. Mm -hmm. uh, so they haven't played in a ton of bowl games. One of those years, TCU qualified for a bowl game and, and didn't go because of COVID. Um, but, you know, it, it's different. I mean, for us, it was different because Michigan had been in the college football playoff last year. They had that experience. Um, so that's why we paid so much attention to, to talking to our players about how to handle it, what to do. Our expectations were very high for our preparation going in, and our players executed the game plan perfectly. Now, we made a bunch of mistakes, as I said earlier, sure. but but that's going to happen when you play against a good football team, and we'll try to do the same thing as we get ready for the national championship. I know this. There hadn't been a stage this year that's been too big for our players, and we don't expect that stage to be too big on Monday. Well, that's the truth. Every single time your team's been doubted, it's as if they turn into the Hulk and just beat up everything in their way. It's really remarkable to watch. Coach, finally, I'll get you out of here on this. You know, what is it going to take? In your estimation, you're taking on the defending champs. They're coming off a thriller uh, themselves. What's it going to take for you guys to hoist your first national championship trophy since 1938? Well, it's going to have to take a great team effort, really across uh, offense, defense, and really on special teams as well. You know, we're going to have to play physical, which we did against Michigan. We're going to have to even play more physical, more physical against Georgia. It's going to be important. Georgia's got a little bit more team speed probably than Michigan did. We're going to have to be able to re respond to that. You know, the big thing for us, obviously, is, is not turn the ball over. We had three turnovers in the game uh, against Michigan. Can't do that against Georgia. And then we can't give up as many explosive plays as we did defensively. So limit, limit Georgia's explosive plays, take care of the ball on offense, go out, play tough physical football, and, and not get too high, not get too low. Just keep, uh, keep our foot on the accelerator and play hard for 60 minutes. And if we do those things, we'll certainly like the outcome of the game. Man, I'm so excited for you. I'm so happy for you. I'm so excited for you. I can't wait to give you a hug on Friday when we get to California. I'm just, it's been a special season to watch, man. Just 
I'm so excited that you had this opportunity in front of you. I know that you guys will make the most of it. Congratulations, Coach, and thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, Greg, appreciate you. Again, thanks for everything you do for college football. I know, uh, I know you're out there fighting the good fight for the, for, for the game all the time, so I appreciate it, man. Appreciate you, brother. Okay, thank you. Let's Talk About It is brought to you by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. Whether it's last-minute school supplies, impromptu dinner, or fresh flowers for that special occasion. With DoorDash, there is a neighborhood of good in every order. With DoorDash, you're not just getting the things you love, but you're supporting the community that you love, too. For a limited time, our listeners can get 50% off up to a $20 value and $0 in delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BASEMENT. That's 50% off up to a $20 value and $0 on delivery fees. When you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BASEMENT. Don't forget, that's BASEMENT for 50% off up to a $20 value and $0 in delivery fees with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. All right, what an afternoon of football it was. My goodness, we had some thrillers. We'll get to the morning slate here in a moment. But my goodness, how about what went down in AT&T Stadium between the Tulane Green Wave and the USC Trojans? Felt for a while there like SC was a team that was not going to be stopped. I mean, they were cruising. Caleb Williams looked like his usual self. Total stat line in the day, 37 of 52 for 462, five touchdowns against just one interception. I would say on the other side, too, to think that their quarterback went just eight of 17 for 234 and two touchdowns, and yet they still scored 46 points. Tell you exactly how Tulane got the job done. It was exclusively about Ty J. Spears and the performance that he had going against what was a very porous SC defense that was, look, SC was without a couple guys, but either way, man, it's always tough when the group of five champion is playing against a team that just had their heart ripped out. We've seen it time and time and time again. We've seen Houston beat Florida State. We've seen UCF beat Auburn. We've now seen Tulane beat USC, and it was miraculous, especially at the end of the game. I couldn't believe what it was that I witnessed. I really couldn't believe it because it felt sitting there up 45 for, uh, to 30, up 15 points, really, honestly, at that point, kind of in complete control, four and a half left on the clock. You're sitting there thinking, man, Tulane's got to put a drive together and they got to put a drive together quickly. And then they got to get a three and out, which they've are unlikely to do based on how things have gone up to this point. So not only did I feel pretty confident the stars weren't going to align, I was almost tempted at that point to take the kids out on a walk because my little man was really trying to get outside. I'm glad I resisted the temptation, though, because he was badgering me about going out in the backyard and playing. Well, I stuck around 
And boy, were we treated to an incredible finish. How about what we witnessed there as they had the muffed, the muff, muffed kickoff and out of bounds? It was like, what just happened? Did it not just did anyone else just be like, are, are you, are we serious? Like Mario Williams, like more well, sure handed as it gets. Next thing you know, they get the ball at the one yard line. And then I'm thinking to myself at this point, thinking, well, they still haven't stopped Caleb Williams and company shoot earlier in the game. They had a nine minute drive. I mean, this could still, even though it's horrendous field position, this still is going to be USC's game, right? I mean, there's no way I, to be honest with you, Safety didn't even really enter my mind. I was like, ah, you know, they'll just run it. Everyone's probably at this point pretty gassed. It's seen a lot of snaps, a lot of snap exposure. So boom, SC will get out of here. Now all you did is just make them go a little bit further and have a little bit more time to kill. Well, that wasn't the case. Obviously, first down, no gain. Second down, they get Austin Jones in the end zone for a safety. And now we've seen USC's defense getting sliced like a knife through hot butter. Well, we already know what was going to happen when they kicked it off, right? But it was not without drama, right? It was not without drama whatsoever. Fourth down conversions. Obviously, some wild moments. You have all types of things that were going on in the game that it's like, you have got to be kidding me until ultimately Michael Pratt finds Bauman for the six-yard touchdown when Valentino Ambrosio ended the game with the extra point, my heart went nuts. I just couldn't believe what I witnessed. It was absolute pandemonium on the sideline, and it was pandemonium, I think, for most college football fans. Congratulations to the Tulane Green Wave. What a ridiculous season to go from two wins a year ago to 12 wins this year, and you cap it off with your first bowl victory in nearly 85 years, and, well, not bowl victory, major bowl victory, if you will, first major bowl victory in over 80 years, and you do so against a Heisman Trophy winner and a USC team that, you know, people will point to, well, they didn't want to be there. I think they played hard, and I give USC credit, man. I thought they were ready to play. They just didn't play well enough on defense. Ultimately, Tulane was able to get the job done. That set the table for the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. And boy, was this a disappointment. My goodness. It was really one of those games that felt like, especially there in the first half of the football game, it was going to be a track meet potentially. Maybe you have a very exciting back and forth. Couldn't have felt better about how the game started thinking how the game was likely going to end. And then, sure enough, the second half rolls around. It's 14 all. There had been some big plays created. There had been some big moments up to that point. Both offenses looked as though they were starting to rev their engine just a little bit. Defense, somewhat optional. But either way, they're in the third quarter. There wasn't a whole lot to see. They're the first driver two, and then bang. Singleton takes at the distance 87 yards to the house. And at that point, the route was on. Obviously, so disappointed that Cam Rising was unable to finish the game, absolutely hated that he had to be taken off for the second consecutive year in the Rose Bowl game with this team in the game. You could tell it just deflated the entire sideline, and that's no disrespect 
to the backup quarterback, Bryson Barnes. He did nothing wrong. I mean, if anything, thrust into a difficult situation. Actually, if you actually watch the pass protection, it got worse and worse and worse as the game went along, maybe because they recognized, hey, we can't rush the passer like crazy against Cam Rising because he'll torch us. We can, however, against Bryson Barnes, we can really come after him because he's athletic, but he's not the same type of runner that Cam Rising is. So they could get more aggressive, and as a result of that aggression, they just couldn't keep their quarterback upright. They did tack one on late. For those that were on under 54 and a half, I feel bad for you because of the touchdown that occurred with 25 seconds left, but my goodness... It was a complete route. I know in the second half, people say, well, it would have been different if Cam Rising hadn't gotten hurt, maybe. I, I, you know, next man up mentality as a former player, I don't think about the what ifs or how oh, it could have been this. Look, he got hurt and you were unable to protect the backup. And when the backup went in through a couple accurate passes, your receivers didn't reel it in. They didn't really help him out until that final drive. So credit to Penn State. Terrific season, 11-2. and two, Your only two losses came to teams that made the college football playoff. Got to be happy for Sean Clifford. Got to feel good, too, about some of the young talent that returns on that roster. I don't know if they're necessarily going to beat the Ohio State Buckeyes next year. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, especially as going to Columbus. But I'll tell you this. On paper, Penn State should probably be a top-10 team heading into next year. You got to think Drew Aller's going to be the starting quarterback. He's highly regarded. They like him. Not very mobile, but he's got a big arm. They're going to have an elite run game with the two backs that are just going into their second year. The offensive line played pretty good against a formidable opponent on Monday evening. So you got to think, man, maybe the best is yet to come for James Franklin and that young nucleus of players on all three levels defensively and the guys that they bring back on the offensive side as well. All right, a couple great performances in some of the early games. When you look at what happened, Mississippi State carrying heavy hearts into the matchup against Illinois. And boy, I mean, this is like one of those games. Thought it'd be a little bit low scoring. Kind of liked the under. Talked about that a little bit as we were breaking it down to a certain extent. At 46, it felt like, man, I don't know. I don't see either one of these two teams being able to manufacture a lot of offense, knowing that they were up against some quality play pieces on the defense side of the football. And boy, did that under feel comfortable from the very, very beginning. Will Rogers, very efficient, but had the interceptions. Of course, it wasn't his best day by any stretch of the imagination. I found it somewhat fitting at the end of the game. Of course, we have talked for a while now about the tributes that have been coming in for Mike Leach, and they've been really special. What I found ultimately just super ironic, maybe the best offensive play of the day for Mississippi State was that incredible run there at the end of the game. And the know that Mike Leach really doesn't like to run the football, it just felt like there was some poetic justice there for sure. Of course, Simeon Pierce, that incredible 28-yard run to the left-hand side, ultimately getting stopped at the two-yard line. They take a knee a couple plays later and they kicked the game winner with about seven seconds remaining. It was just a really impressive start. And Mike Leach also, and I was talking to Joe Tessitore, actually, as the ball went through the uprights. He's my partner. We're talking about our plans coming up this week for the national championship. And he's sitting there saying, you realize how much Mike Leach has just never really cared much for special teams and to think that they're going to set up for a game-winning field goal in a game that's tributed to him and... 
To add insult to injury for those of you that had Illinois plus the three and a half, you have that final play, which was, by the way, beautifully executed. It's the same play that Boise State ran against Oklahoma back in the 2004 Fiesta Bowl, except they ran it to the left-hand side. Illinois decided to run to the right-hand side, but you run a curl route, you run under route, you pitch it to them, and it's out the gate, and then you start the lateral game. It's a pretty fun play, to be honest with you. We had it in our playbook. I had it in my NFL playbooks. It works. I, I don't know why it works, but it does. To think that they almost actually gashed it. They're a throw or two away from being able to outflank the defense in one direction and potentially score the game-winning touchdown. But ultimately, it was obviously fumbled, picked up, and then taken to the house the other way by the Mississippi State defender, uh, Marcus Banks. So uh, to think that as chaotic and as quirky as Mike Leach lived his life in the game that was attributed to him, the three most defining plays in the game were a run play, an incredible run play, I might add, 28 yards, a field goal, and then some crazy lateral play that was ultimately taken back to the house by his defense. Just an amazing tribute. Loved the helmets too. I wish that those things could stay permanently. I just think they're so cool with the pirate logo on the flag on the one side. Either way, not a great offensive performance by either team. Both defenses played great. 288 yards given up by Mississippi State's defense. They played really nicely, obviously. And then nearly 400, but they just couldn't cash in. And of course, had a couple turnovers as well. So either way, not a great performance, but ultimately a great win and a great tribute to the Pirate himself. Moving to the other game that was there in the early window. Oh my goodness, LSU, please. They're dead already. Stop kicking them. <laughs> it was one of those, like... I almost had a hard time. I was like, Vince, you can't watch this, man. Like, hey, you just need to go. That's my son, my four-year-old. You can't watch this. You need to go to the other room. This is not safe for kids' eyes. I mean, what a beatdown. And look, we, we knew that this was going to happen. I don't think anyone realized it was going to be this sideways. How could you? Purdue's a resilient team. Purdue's a proud football team. But my goodness. I mean, just a complete beatdown from the very beginning. I mean, they get out 42 unanswered, Right before it even or excuse me 49 unanswered before it was even remotely close and it just when you look at LSU this thing and I I like to look sometimes at ESPN's win probability meter win probability meter for ESPN tops out at 99.9 .9 until the clock strikes zero why is that I don't know when the clock strikes zero, it obviously goes to 100. That's when the game is ultimately decided. But the highest it will ever go is at 99.9. .9. And this thing got there with nine minutes and 45 seconds left in the third quarter. That's early when you're talking about two Power 5 teams and more notably, two Power 5 teams that won their respective division. Look, Purdue lost a lot. Purdue lost their coach. Purdue had all sorts of issues heading into this matchup. But to watch... The efficiency that we saw from LSU, both quarterbacks, Garrett Nussmeyer and Jaden Daniels, looked really good. Shoot, Malik Neighbors threw a touchdown pass. Of course, he's incredible. You get the true freshman in there for a couple snaps as well. And Walker Howard, Jaden Daniels, of course, very, very good on the ground as usual. I do think in the offseason, LSU needs to find a really capable every down back because with all due respect to Noah Kane and John Emery, they just didn't have that this year, especially as they had a couple injuries. Williams, for instance, had a couple injuries and never really reached their peak. I find it really funny 
that everybody was looking at Malik Neighbors after the week one performance and saying, yeah, you know, muffed a couple punts. He's not, you know, this guy's a problem. He's not, he's overrated. We talked about him all off season. Like, we'll see whether or not he's any good. And then sure enough, he gets better and better and better. He shakes off that week one performance and look at what he's doing now. I mean, goodness gracious to go for nearly 165 or so on nine catches. Of course, he was also very effective on that jet sweep game that he took to the house. I mean, he was phenomenal. Maybe the best player on the field regardless of position. This was an incredible finish for Brian Kelly, probably the most decisive victory so far of bowl season, just completely dominant. With the exception of Oregon State over Florida, this was by far the biggest beatdown for sure. So it'll be really interesting to see what this LSU team does in the offseason because while they lost a couple key pieces, I think they lost some personalities that might not have always been rowing in the same direction. So maybe some of the guys that are departing the program, maybe it was a difficult transition from Ed Ogeron to Mike uh, to uh, Brian Kelly for some. Well, those that don't like it are probably off to greener pastures, if you will. Now, Brian Kelly's going to be able to go out, get his guys in there, probably attract a few guys in the portal based on the performances that they were able to put together. And look out, y'all. LSU seems to be on the cusp of being a perennial contender in the SEC. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. We have a terrific show lineup. All that you can possibly ask for in the week leading up to the national championship game. And in addition to the shows that you're going to get here, you're also going to get shows from Los Angeles. The entire always college football team will be heading to L.A., This weekend, I'll be there on Friday. The rest of the crew will be arriving shortly thereafter. So we have a lot that we'll be doing on location that you and I will be excited about. Please like, rate, and subscribe. Tell your friends. We're going to be breaking the game down in its entirety. We have all sorts of angles that we want to hit this thing. So we're not going to waste any time, and we're going to get into the weeds when it comes to these two teams. We're going to have TCU breakdowns. We're going to have Georgia breakdowns. We're going to have you ready. I can promise you that. And, of course, on Monday, we're going to make our picks. We're going to tell you some player props. We're going to dive in. We're going to hit it from every possible angle because this is the national championship. This is what we do it for. That's for sure. And here in the next couple of days, too, there's been a lot of movement as it relates to the portal. There's been a lot of movement as it relates to other things as well. We'll get you updated on those things. We just felt like we needed to prioritize the games today 
and yesterday. But don't worry, we're going to get you caught up. And if we don't do it this week, we don't do it Monday, guess what? We have eight months until games. So don't worry. We have lots of time to break down your favorite team, your favorite coach that just got hired and or fired, and all the different moves and changes that have happened here in the last few weeks. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jack Foster and Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. This has been Always College Football with Greg McElroy, presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.